I'm Stephen Adams. This is down to Doug. I'm I'm miffed and peeved. That's not the words. What do I say? Hello, I'm Alex Sabrinas. I'm not miffed and peeved. I'm about to dunk. I'm not miffed and peeved. Hello, I'm Alex Sabrinas. I'm not miffed and peeved. I'm down to dunk. I'm Stephen Adams. I'm not miffed and peeved. I am down to dunk. Yo, this PG and I'm down to dunk. Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schleck. We're part of CLNS Media, DailyThunder.com. We're featured on Dash Radio at 5 o'clock Central Time. Uh, before we get into it, I need to tell you about our sponsor, The Athletic. If you have not even heard of The Athletic, I'm not sure that you are listening to the podcast or even on Twitter, but they have great writers like Brett Dawson, Fred Katz, Donald Mayberry, who writes for Chicago, but comes up with some great stuff. you got Sam Vecini. Uh, who writes about the NBA draft? Just put out a big column today that's well worth your time. And let's say you just want to check out The Athletic. Well, this is the perfect time. You get 40% off when you go to theathletic.com backslash dunk. 40% off of some of the best content the internet can provide about NBA basketball. So go check that out. That URL again is theathletic.com backslash dunk. Today, I'm with nobody. McKelly Bear is so sick. I was we were going to record early this morning, and uh, it didn't happen. McKelly texted me early that he was sick. I decided to catch some more sleep before I had real work meeting, and now I'm on lunch, and I'm going to give you guys some content. So we're going to dig through some stats. We're going to answer as many questions as possible, and then I'm going to get this content to you. So first of all, then we're back from the All Star break. And Russell Westbrook is on fire. Some stats. He's shooting 44% from three since the All-Star break. Small sample size. He's taken a ton of threes. I think he's taken 24 total threes. He's made 11 of them, uh, which is pretty impressive. Uh, And those 11 three-pointers are by far the most he's had in consecutive games this season. And 15 he has made in the past three games are four more than he has more than the total he knocked down in the 12 preceding games. That comes from ESPN.com. He's shooting a lot of threes, and he's making them, which is great. Uh, But I worry a little bit about the reliance on the three-point shot from Russell uh, the past three games. At some point, he's going to miss a lot of them. And we've talked about this throughout the season. When Russell takes a lot and misses a lot, it he has some self-correction within there, but we haven't reached that point yet. And so we go into Denver. We, the Thunder play in Denver Tuesday night. And I worry a little bit that he's going to be a little bit three point happy in Denver because we know that he's had some big time games up there at the Pepsi center. So I'm interested to see what the volume of threes is from Russell Westbrook Tuesday night. That's a big, big game. To go into Denver and win would be huge for a lot of reasons. The Thunder's still alive for the second seed. I know the Sacramento game hurt those chances, but it's still a possibility. And if you want that second seed, you have to go into Denver and win. They got two more games against Denver, and they've got to win both of them if they want hope for the second seed. Uh, So that's Russell. He's been great. Don't get me wrong. The guy has been unbelievable really the past three games. He's been scoring the basketball efficiently. Played great against Utah the other night. Uh, He was a huge part of that victory. I think they scored a combined 88 points, he and Paul George, which is just unreal. 
Um, Russ still makes big mistakes. They're the loudest mistakes in the NBA. They're the easiest to call out because everybody notices them. Um, but we're going to, there's another, there's a question that I have in here about Russell that we'll get to, but, um, Russell's been fantastic. And if this is a sign of things to come where we have a Russell Westbrook that can actually shoot the basketball, uh, this team's ceiling is even higher. So I know the loss to Sacramento was discouraging. That team was so tired. We were, so I was at the arena for the Utah game and after the game, there was certainly a buzz about the locker room, but it was dulled by the fact that this team was so exhausted. I'm telling you, and we were all at the arena super late that night, but they were just dog tired. A lot of limping around the locker room, a lot of just slow moving guys. It was, they were exhausted and I, you can use that excuse for the, for the next night against the Kings. And you know, the Thunder, they're a good team. They're not like a 60 plus win team though. A 60 plus win team goes and they, they take care of business. They, they are able to stick to the defense that they've been playing all season. The Thunder just, they couldn't do it. It's a defense that takes a lot of energy. And there's another, there's a question about defense too that we're going to get to as well. But it's when you play 50 minutes, you're going to see the result that we did uh, against the Kings for Paul George. 50 minutes is, that's a lot to play in one game. And he was fantastic. It was an MVP moment for him. No question that, and I just cannot understate the degree of difficulty of that final shot, that floater, that Paul George. I know I'm jumping all around. I'm going all over the place. I'm sorry about that. I'm by myself. I have no direction. But that the degree of difficulty that Paul George had on that floater, first he splits the defense. He has Joe Ingles on him. And Joe, Joe does a good job of guarding Paul. And he's not going to be able to stick with him because he's not there athletically. But he's physical enough and he's smart enough to stick with him for the most part. Splits the defense. Ricky Rubio tries to cheat over and double team. Splits that defense. And then who meets him? It's Rudy Gobert, the reigning defensive player of the year, who has one of the longest standing reaches in the NBA. And he, I just don't know how he did it. He has that teardrop floater that probably, I mean, you sh- he shoots that 100 times. What's he going to like make it 12 times? That's like the, the degree of difficulty on that shot is unbelievable. And the fact that it went in was just crazy. When he released it, I thought, oh, man, like that's unfortunate. Like that's the shot that you get. But it went in. It was nuts. The arena and credit to all the fans that were there. I'm sure that some people that are listening were there. It was the best crowd of the season. No question. It was so much fun. Uh, and you know the Thunder were into it. The crowd was into it. That team—I mean, just playing that Utah Jazz team—you know—the the Thunder wanted that bad, and so did the Jazz. The Jazz were great. They played a great game. Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell were superstars in that game. Uh, that was one. It was the most fun Thunder game of the season. The back and forth, the quality of basketball that was being played, the high-level offense—it was just a fun, fun basketball game. Let's take a look at some. Overall numbers for the Thunder. So in offensive rating, they sit at 12th in the league at a 110.5. They're right behind the Minnesota Timberwolves. They're at a 110.6 for 11th. They keep climbing. Their offense is getting better and better. And we take a look at the defense. They still sit at third. They're still ahead of the Utah Jazz at a 105.6. Utah's at a 105.8. That's it. Those are interesting teams to look for down the rest of this season. 
because the Thunder's schedule is remains tough for the most part, and the Jazz schedule is going to soften up. So I would not be shocked if the Thunder dropped down to four, and maybe even a little bit more than that. Um, they may end up at five for the season. Uh, that would not surprise me. But if they can still remain a top five defense and climb to the top ten on on offense, I think that's definitely a possibility for them. And if you're a team that's top 10 in both offense and defense, like you have a chance to do something. And I think the Thunder are one of those teams. They're sixth in net rating at a 4.9. Behind the Indiana Pacers, who are still at a 5.4. That team just continues to uh, play well, and they play hard. That's they're, they're just an interesting team that... You know, they have, they're 40 and 20 right now. They have less losses than the Thunder do, which is just a credit to the coaching staff, credit to those players. Without Vic, I thought they were going to fall apart, but they're still firmly in that East playoff race near the top of the East, which is super impressive. Let's take a look at some on-off numbers. This is coming from cleaningtheglass.com. If you're looking for the number, and this has been floated out there before, the number for the MVP race for Paul George, it's this one. You look at the on-off numbers, Paul George, a plus 21.3. That's an insane number. When Paul George is out on the court, the Thunder are a plus 21.3. When Steven Adams is on the court, a plus 12. That's a huge difference. And that just means Paul is just effective every time he's out on the court. Every time he's out there, he's making a difference. And it's not just on the offensive end. He's probably the frontrunner for defensive player of the year. And the last guy to do that, Akeem Olajuwon, that was a long time ago. Uh, And to think that the Thunder have a guy that could possibly do this is huge. After losing James Harden to a trade, that wasn't great. After losing Kevin Durant for nothing, the Thunder somehow get another guy that has a has a chance to be defensive player of the year and the MVP. And Paul, like he has a chance to do it after that Utah game. He has a chance to do it. I know some people are going to dog him for how he played. He did not play well against the Kings. I mean, the year Russell won the MVP. He had, if you remember that game in Phoenix, we're trying to get the triple double record. It was atrocious. Do people think about that when they're voting for the MVP? Maybe, but did he still win it? Yep. So like one game is not going to kill that. But that Utah game, mark it down as a game that people are going to look at when they try to sit down to vote for the MVP this year. And Paul George, he's going to be firmly in that conversation. I'm super interested. I feel, and Taylor texted me this the other day, he feels like Zach Lowe's been setting the table to pick Paul George for the MVP. I'm interested to see uh, where Zach Lowe lands on that. And Zach Lowe didn't vote for Russell, so it doesn't mean that he's like the end-all be-all, but I think people really respect him. I know for a fact people really respect him in the business, so I'm interested to see kind of where he lands on that. So back to Steven Adams, he's a plus 12. Uh, that's second best. The third best, we're not even to Russell yet. It's Jeremy Grant, 10.7. Then we go to Russell at a plus 6.3. Ferguson down to a plus 3.3. And then my man, Deontay Burton, is a plus 3. Those are our positives for on off. And that's it. Paul George, Adams, Grant, Westbrook, Ferguson, Burton. That's it. And Burton's, this is only in 185 minutes, so the sample size is super low. So really talking about the starting lineup is positive, which is something to watch for. And, and, you know, people watch these past two games 
and you see Donovan Mitchell go off and you see Buddy Hill go off, that's why Andre Robertson is not expendable because we see when Ferguson gets in foul trouble, what happens? We had Nader out there guarding him. It's not expendable. They need they need Andre Robertson. Make no mistake about that. Next on the list in plus minus, a negative 2.6 for Dennis Schroeder. And then shout out to Alex Abrinas, negative 4.6. Uh, Ray Felton, minus 5.6. Guys that don't play are not a, really a part. And Ray did play a little bit the other night against the Kings. I still don't think that he's a part of the playoff rotation. Then you get to New Orleans Noel, a minus 12.7. Hamadou Diallo, a minus 11.8. Patrick Patterson, minus 14.6. Abdul Nader, a minus 18.5. That's why they need Mar- Markeith Morris. He's played thirty. He's got thirty-seven minutes here, uh, according to Cleaning the Glass. Um, not in garbage time. Is a plus nine. They need Markeith Morris. As the game went along against the Kings, he played better and better. He's starting to get his legs a little bit. He's starting to figure out how to play with this team. Thought defensively, he made some big plays down the stretch. Kind of wanted to keep him in the game. Uh, I don't know how much left he had, but I thought he played well. Looking at all those numbers, I think you can. This is where the Thunder are keeping their eye on the buyout market. The 10-day guys, their days are done. And so I think the Thunder are still waiting for like a quote-unquote secondary buyout market. Will that happen? I don't know. I think you look at a team like the Clippers who got just destroyed last night by Denver. That's a team that I look at and think, is there a guy, one or two of those guys that maybe wants to be bought out? You look at the Grizzlies, another team that maybe has a buyout candidate or two on their team. I, th- I think the Thunder would like to get one more guy. I think they need one more wing. And if they don't think Andre can come back, it's it's getting pretty dicey at this point with Dre, having not really heard anything. You know, it's almost March here. I, th- I think they're going to try to get somebody else. I think they would like to. I, I like Deontay. I think that he can play. But you saw against Utah, like he's he's going to have some moments where his confidence is not his best friend. And he's going to have some games where it is. And I like him as a guy in the future. The Thunder like him as a guy they'd like to keep around. I think they'd like to give him a multi-year deal once his 45 days are up. Uh, But can you trust that guy in the playoffs? I don't know the answer to that. And Nader. Nader was great. He was so good in the second half or in in the overtimes against Utah. That three he hit was massive. The way he played defense against Donovan Mitchell was huge. That steal he had to start the second overtime was pivotal. But you also saw how badly he played in the first half. Like, which Nader are you going to get? Are you going to get the Nader that steps up and hits a shot and plays defense to his potential where he's super confident? Or are you going to get the minus 18.5? I mean, history tells us that he's more of this minus 18.5 than he is the guy that he was at the end of the Utah game. I would like him to be a good player. Yes, it'd be great if he could play like that every time out. But he's still a young guy. Deontay Burton, he's an older rookie, certainly, but he's still a young guy that doesn't have a lot of NBA experience. I think they'd like to get a guy that has some NBA experience. I don't know the names of those guys. I don't know who it is. I think you guys can probably take a look at those rosters and kind of figure out who they might be. I thought a Jermichael Green would be a really nice player for the Thunder. They don't need him now that they have Markeith Morris. I think Garrett Temple would still be super nice to have if he gets bought out. The Thunder can still use some of their 
uh, mid-level exception if they'd like to, because they didn't use that to to get Markeith. And so I I don't think it's out of the question that the Thunder keep their eye on the buyout market and try to get in on one of these other guys that maybe gets bought out where we get closer. And it's going to be this week. We'll know by Friday if we're going to get somebody because Friday is March 1st. So just keep your eye on that. Maybe nothing will happen. I think that's it's probably more of a possibility that nothing happens and something does. But I think the Thunder still would like to keep an eye on that before they do something with Burton's contract or with another 10-day guy or somebody else. So um, that's something to watch for. We're going to go to some questions. I'll answer as many as I can. We'll start with Jeremy Bobby. Do you think the Thunder can be the second seed? We'll know a lot more after Tuesday night what this team can and can't do as far as uh, the two seed. Uh, Because I'm I'm still just not convinced they can go beat denver twice maybe they can i i think that they're a better team than denver like if they played in a playoff series i would pick the thunder uh but regular season wise this denver team is tough and they're tough at altitude uh and it would be it would be a huge win if the thunder could go in there and beat them but i'm still uh a little dubious to that so according to tankathon.com the thunder still have the toughest strength of schedule remaining they have 23 games left. It's the toughest. Here's their toughest opponents remaining. They play the Bucks once. They play the Raptors twice. They play the Warriors once, and they get Denver twice. That's pretty tough. For Denver, they are fourth. And here's their toughest, their toughest opponents remaining. They have the Warriors twice, the Pacers twice, and the Thunder twice. So that's... I mean, the Raptors, the Raptors did lose to Orlando yesterday. They're not like an invincible team, but that's a tough team. The Thunder played them twice in a row. I think that's an important stretch for the Thunder to get that that uh, second seed. They also, the Denver Nuggets have 23 games left as well. So it's about, it's not that far off as far as strength of schedule goes, but I would say right now that Denver's playing probably a little bit better than OKC is. As far as the easiest opponents left, Denver gets the Knicks, they play Washington twice, they play the Mavs, they get the Pelicans, and they get the Timberwolves. For the Thunder, the Thunder get Memphis twice. <laughs> you got to win those games. Actually, all, all these games, the Thunder just have to win. They get the Mavs at home. The Mavs have been terrible on the road. The Thunder have got to beat the Mavs at home. They get the Heat, and they get the Timberwolves twice. The, the Timberwolves give the Thunder trouble. Like There's no question about it. There's no doubt about it. Timberwolves give the Thunder trouble. And those two of the easiest games they have are against them. So the Thunder schedule is not super easy. So I think it is important that they win those games. You've got to win the gimmies. And that's why that's, that Sacramento game hurts. It's not a it's not a deal breaker. It's not a ceiling killer for the Thunder. Oh, now they can't get to the Western Conference Finals because they can't beat the Kings on the second half of back-to-back. No, that's not it. But... Here's the thing. It's a missed opportunity. It's a missed opportunity for the Thunder to get the two seed whenever you lose to teams that you should beat. That's that's all that it is. It's disappointing. But they're also, a, a, they're not a 60-win team. Maybe next year they are. Maybe next year this team is a 60-win team. I would not be shocked by that. You get some continuity. Terrence Ferguson gets a little bit better. Maybe you bring back Markeith Morris and he's a little bit more comfortable playing with this team. Maybe get Dre back. 
that could be a 60 win team. This team, they're not there yet. They're still developing a lot of chemistry. They're still figuring some stuff out as much as, as much continuity as they have moving into this season. It's still a very different team that plays a lot different than what the team did last year. And so it's nice to be able to look into the future and say, yes, we will have this team again. And they'll be able to add to it in the summer. I think there'll be some bargains out there because there's a lot, a lot of free agents out there. We'll break that down as we get closer to the offseason, uh, who those guys could be. But yes, I, I still think the Thunder could be the second seed. Would I bet on it? I would not. Which the the difference in the opponent between two and three is massive. The Thunder, if at the three seed, they could play the Jazz in the first round. Houston, Utah, Blazers. Those are the kind of teams that you're looking at at the three seed to play in the first round. Now, if you get up to the two seed, you're talking Kings, Clippers, Spurs. That's even Lakers could get up there theoretically. I don't think they will, but they could. Like that's a different level of opponent. You much rather be the two seed. If you're Denver, I mean those teams are all tough. But if you're Denver OKC, yeah, you're you want that two seed. It's a missed opportunity if you don't get up there. From at Luke the Duke four five five zero. While offense has been steadily improving this year, defense has seemed like an afterthought recently. Is this an effort issue or something more troubling? I think for the most part, it's an effort issue, uh, which is troubling. <laughs> I think it's troubling because I think that you build habits. And this is something Darnell Mayberry has always preached on. Like you build the habits in the regular season that you're going to have in the playoffs. I still think that, that your team can be better. The 2016 Thunder are an example of that, that they weren't this great juggernaut of a team going into the playoffs. Most people picked them to lose in round two uh, to the San Antonio Spurs. And the Thunder ended up beating them and getting to the West Finals and up 3-1. Everybody knows the story on that. So, like, that team didn't reach its peak until they got into the playoffs. So, there's a, I think this team has a similar peak to that one. Uh, now they have tougher opponents in the playoffs, I think, uh, than the, that Thunder team did. But as far as reaching their potential, yes, they could do it. But the defensive habits have got to be there. They've got to start establishing them now. They have tough opponents moving forward. They play Denver. They come back and play Philly at home. You've got to start reestablishing your defensive identity. I think Markeith can help with that. I think that he's shown a lot of toughness that Patrick Patterson has not, and we thought he'd bring that. He's brought that some. I think that it's got to start with Steven Adams. I think Terrence Ferguson's a huge part of it. Jeremy Grant, and really the leader of the entire defense, everybody knows that, is Paul George. And so if you can get those guys engaged, you can get Russell engaged, which he has been. Russell's been great. Russell's been awesome. I think you can reestablish it, but it's got to start pretty quick. You can't just hop in in April and just expect to be a great defense moving forward. It's possible that they can turn that back on, but I think it's it's time to start turning it on now. If they want to win 53 to 56 games and try to get that two seed, it starts now. Those are kind of habits start now. So yeah, it's it's concerning to me that they haven't been able to keep it up, but to do the defensive job they need to do, it's really tough to maintain that for 82 games. Um, and obviously they're, they're still uh, in elite status right now being number three uh, in the league. So it's not like they've like fallen off a cliff, uh, but they've, they've got to be better night to night. They didn't show, they didn't show that effort against the Kings. 
they do that against the Kings, maybe Paul George makes a couple other shots, they win the game easy. Maybe even by double digits. But the defense wasn't there. Paul George wasn't there. They ended up losing uh, in a nail-biter. Uh, from at William underscore CG, why did the super fun Kings have to be so good? Uh, they are fun. That is a fun team. They're, that's an electric offense. I really like that Kings team. I'm honestly not... Maybe this is blasphemy. I'm not that upset about it because I kind of just want the Kings to be in the playoffs. <laughs> so if any, if the Thunder lose to anybody, it's okay if it's the Kings. Uh, this is from at JGG512. What are you hoping to learn from the team down the stretch? What improvements or corrections would you most be excited by heading into the postseason? I think we've already seen the correction in the way that they their shot selection and the way they shoot the basketball. I think that was probably the biggest one. Uh, I just want to see them reestablish their defensive habits where they're playing hard every possession, where they communicate. And they did it some against Utah. There was one possession in the third quarter that I was just like, wow, that is Thunder defense right there. Go back and watch the end of the third quarter. They played incredible defense. So I want to see more of that. Like They can do it. They're doing it for stretches. But once they kind of let off the gas, it you can tell. The teams can just pour points on them. So that's really what I want to see. And I want to what I what I want to learn from this team down the stretch is kind of what we know about them is that they play better against better opponents, and they've done that all season. I just want to know that they can maintain that for any length of time. Can they continue to do it? And they're going to show us this week. They play some quality opponents this week. Those are the kind of things that I like to see from them. At J Tizzle five three. Since our players can't all have good shooting percentages on the same night, would you rather have Russ shooting below average with Dennis shooting lights out or Russ shoot like he did the last three games, but Dennis also shoot like that the last three games? I mean, I think that you'd rather have your best player, one of your better players shooting well because they're playing more minutes. I think Russell just has more of an impact on on the team. But I can see the argument where Russell's going to have an impact whether or not he's shooting the basketball well. We've seen that. I mean, that's been like the argument all, all year was, oh, Russell's not shooting the ball well, but look at everything else he does. Whereas Dennis, if he's not shooting the ball well, uh, his minutes are, are unproductive for the most part. So I think I just flip-flop myself <laughs> on that one. I think I'd rather have Dennis shooting the ball well than Russell because Russell's always going to make an impact. And if Dennis can come in and score 20 points you know, on 12 shots. That That is super helpful. The bench has not been great lately. That's why they've struggled. They, the bench was not good against Utah. The bench was not great against Sacramento. They need they need Schroeder to be a little bit better than what he's been. So I think I picked Schroeder just because we know Russell's going to always make an impact. But uh, truth be told, I think that you can have both at some point. From at Fluky. Between Noel and Morris, who is more likely to be in OKC next season? And who would you rather have if you could choose? That's a great question. I don't know that we've seen enough of Markeith Morris to really know. We can kind of use what we've known about him in the past when he's played for Washington and for Phoenix. Um, I think that I'd probably rather have Noel just because you kind of know what you're getting from him on a night-to-night basis, and he's had some great games for this team, and he fits the Thunder identity probably a little bit better than Markeith does. 
But I think that probably Markeith is more likely to come back. He's older. He's a guy that really wants to win. He chose to come here. So did Nerlens, but Nerlens is a little bit different. Nerlens is trying to, you know, up his value. Nerlens hadn't gotten paid yet. Mar- Markeith's been paid. Markeith wants to win. And so maybe Markeith takes a mini mid-level, about $5 million for the next year, maybe the next two years, two years, you know, $10.5 million. I think that's a possibility. Uh, I don't know what Noel's value is. I wish I could say that a team out there, you know, you look at the Knicks, like maybe the Knicks would want to take a chance on him and pay him, you know, eight to 10 million a year for the next three years. I think that's a possibility. Uh, A lot of teams have centers. A lot of teams don't, don't need him. So it'll be interesting. I think there's a chance that he comes back too. But I, if I were to say that one of them is going to come back, I'd probably lean toward Markeith. Uh, Also depends on how he plays down the stretch. Is he worth bringing back at that number? I don't know. I don't know yet. One thing I do know, though, is that you need to go to betonline.ag. With another huge week across the NBA, we have some very exciting matchups. There's only one place that you can get in on all the action. It's betonline.ag. Sports, casinos, virtual casinos, you name it. Betonline.ag is CLNS Media's preferred sportsbook online. Use the promo code CLNS50 for a 50% sign-up bonus. That's CLNS50. It's your online sportsbook experts. Now, the biggest game this week by far for the Thunder and maybe even in the NBA for playoff implications is this Thunder-Denver game Tuesday night. It's a late game, late tip. Alex and I are actually going to record right afterwards. Um, But it's a huge one. And if you're a betting man and you like the Thunder, um, I bet on the Thunder. I think they're going to show up. I really do. I think they're going to show up. And you can use that 50% sign-up bonus using the code CLNS50 for your first deposit um, to bet on the Thunder playing in Denver. So go to betonline.ag. You can go to the URL clnsmedia.com backslash win and use our promo code CLNS50 for the 50% cashback bonus. Betonline.eg is your online sportsbook expert. Okay. Back into some questions. Let's see if we can fire through some of these. This is from at Cody McChicken. What do people insist that Russ getting 40 points a game, even on good efficiency, hurts the Thunder's chances of winning? He was the only reason that we were close in the past three games, in my opinion. So the only reason, I mean, he's definitely not the only reason they were against Utah, but against against um, Sacramento, yeah, for sure. He was awesome. He was the only guy that didn't look affected by the amount of minutes they played uh, against against the Utah Jazz. He was great against Sacramento. And he was great against the Pelicans. He was awesome. Uh, and he might be the only superstar in the league that people would argue that scoring 40 points on good efficiency hurts the team. I mean, come on. like, Give me a break. If Paul George shoots his average numbers, the Thunder will kill the Kings. So don't. You can't drag Russell in and say, oh, the Thunder are only one and two in their last three games. And look at the amount of points that Russell scored. That just shows me that you're just looking at some numbers. You're not watching the game. Give me a break. That's stupid. From at the underscore Sternlich, do you expect the Thunder come playoff time to make an effort to prevent mismatches on switches? Or are guys like Nader and even Adams, no matter how good he is for his size, going to continue to end up on the Mitchells and Hardens of the league, even in crunch time? I think they're going to end up being... (laughs) 
on the Mitchells and Hardens of crunch time. I don't think that Nader is going to be a part of that unless there's just extreme foul trouble. I think the Thunder need another guy. I think they're hope, still hopeful that Dre can come back. I have extreme doubts about that. I think that's why they'd like to get one more guy uh, because those guys are going to get Ferguson in foul trouble. And Ferguson, the next step that he's got to make is to clean that kind of stuff up. And I think he will at some point, probably not this season. But I think that he's got to get better. And I think the Thunder would like to get somebody else for the reasons that you're saying here, Austin. I think that they, they're they going to stick to their same defense. I mean, they did it to Mello. The Thunder didn't change that in the playoffs last year. Mello was targeted over and over and over again. If you want to know why Donovan Mitchell looked like a superstar, it's spelled M-E-L-O. So I would be shocked if they actually if they went away from that. You know, give credit to Nader too. He played well. I just don't know how replicable that is over the course of a seven game series. At Thunder Trevor, I've heard this take a bunch. Russ getting his shooting back will get in the way of Paul George and his game. What are your thoughts? I think that's a dumb, dumb take. I think that Russell shot the ball well against Utah, and he still allowed Paul George to take over. Did Russ take some dumb shots right before he fouled out in the first overtime? Certainly. But I don't think that Russ shooting the ball is a bad thing for the Thunder. I think that's a garbage take. Next question comes from at Implicit Storm. Is it likely Westbrook can maintain even half of the offensive production he's displayed in these last three games? I mean, half of it, yeah. (laughs) I think he can maintain half of that. Uh, can you, I think the efficiency stuff is important. He's not going to be a 44% three point shooter. That's not going to happen. If he can be a 34% three point shooter from here to the end of the season, that's a massive thing. And if they're off the catch, I think that's even, it's a big deal because he is letting Schroeder have the ball. He is letting Paul George have the ball. And if he can be a catch-and-shoot 34-35% three-point shooter, that's a huge thing for this team. Can he do it? I don't know. We need to see more. We need to see this type of production or at least a 30-ish percent three-point shooter for a good three weeks before you can say, yeah, Russell's back. This could be a blip in the radar. I mean, it really could be a blip. True or false, Markeith Morris has done more in one game than Patterson has done since signing with the Thunder from at the 405 Brody. Uh, That's a bold statement. I don't know. (laughs) Maybe he has, but it's only Markeith has been awesome. Um, No, I mean, Patterson's had some good games. He shot the ball well last year. As far as the impact goes, like it's hard for... It's hard to like see a game where Patterson's just like, wow, he's so impactful. You know, he shoot, if he shoots the ball well, great. If he doesn't, that's he's not going to have a good game. Um, maybe from that standpoint where Markeith can do a, a little bit more on the court as a rebounder, as a defender, as a guy that brings toughness and edge. Um, I would still say false, but we could be approaching territory where that could be true. All right, we got lots of questions. Thank you, guys. You guys are awesome. This is from at Paul R. Valentine. What personal accomplishments of yours is most comparable to winning a double overtime game with a floater over Rudy Gobert. Oh my. Personal accomplishment. Maybe just asking Kyle Singer to justify himself is probably similar to that shot. 
from at O underscore God. What do you guys think the Thunder should fill out the last two roster spots with? I would like them to fill out the last two roster spots with the following. One, Deontay Burton on a three-year contract. Two, a veteran that can play. I think Garrett Temple's a guy that would fit that mold. I think Wilson Chandler's a guy that fits that mold. Do either of them get bought out? I have no idea. Would it be nice to have one of those guys? Absolutely. From at AEC1600, if you were Billy, would you rather play Burton or Nader? I mean, I think everybody knows where I stand on that, right? It's got to be Deontay. That's my guy. I want to get him more experience. Billy made the right call the other night, no question. And we asked him about it post game. If you didn't hear it, I suppose like what's going through your head trying to make that choice between Burton and Nader at the end of the game where you have Russ fouled out, you have Ferguson fouled out, you just have limited options on the wing and he goes to Nader. My first thought, obviously, if you follow me is, oh no, you've got to have Dual Nader out there playing overtime against the Utah Jazz and he turns out to be a hero. I would have gone with Burton even though he played a little erratically, I think that he's a guy that has a ton of confidence and you just, you need a guy that's confident and you know what? Give credit to Abdul Nader. He came out, took that shot. His teammates trusted him. That was big time. I would have gone with Burton though. Constantly wrong. Uh, from at G V underscore Nascimento. He said, I got it right last time. Uh, come playoff time. What if the backup three is Russell Westbrook? Interesting idea. He's proved to be capable of defending bigger guys, Harkless, Aminu, um, Bertans, to name a few. You'll want to give Ferg and Dennis some extended run. You don't play Nader at all or tweak JG's minutes. Thoughts? I think it's an interesting idea. Play Russell up a little bit. You still need one more guy, though. That's the thing. And maybe if you do that, maybe you trust Felton? Maybe. I know Jay probably wouldn't trust Felton. But do you trust Felton over a guy like Nader? Maybe. Do you trust Felton over a guy like Burton? Maybe. I think it's an interesting idea. Because Russell can defend those bigger guys. He can. He's done well. From, oh, this is from at, oh, underscore God. How do you think Russell and PG would have been together if they never suffered those injuries? Uh, Better. Even better. Certainly. They're pretty darn good right now, though. From at P underscore H underscore F3, is Russell finding his rhythm? And when is the three-point attempt attempted regression coming for Russ? I'm, I've said this earlier. I'm afraid it's coming Tuesday night. I'm afraid of it. I think it's possible. I think that he's he feels like he's in a rhythm and, you know, he's a streaky three-point shooter. That's just going to be the case. I'm hoping it's it's not against Denver, but... If he should, I mean, he can't continue to take 12 threes a game and it end up being a good thing for the Thunder. It's been a great thing the past two games. There's no doubt about it. But I don't think that's a thing that can continue. He can't keep taking 12 a game. Uh, but I do think he's finding a rhythm. I'm hopeful that he's finding a rhythm. I need to see more, though. At Mike in the hut. Given how tough the Thunder schedule is, how low do you think they could fall in the standings? Who would be their playoff opponent in the first round? So let's take a look at the standings real quick for the Oklahoma City Thunder. We've already addressed that they have the toughest strength of schedule left. 
Uh, Denver also has a tough schedule. How far could they fall? I honestly would be shocked if they fell to the 4-5 matchup. I think it's possible, certainly. But two games is still a lot with their remaining schedule. Uh, but it's certainly possible that they fall to 4-5, which is not the ideal. Like you don't want you don't want Golden State in round 2. You really don't. And nobody's they're not going to catch Golden State. Denver I guess they could theoretically catch Golden State. They're only one game back. Um, but I don't think that Denver will catch them. So you really don't want the 4-5 matchup. I think you did want it last year because you wanted to avoid Golden State in the second round. You get Houston in the second round in the 4-5 matchup. Um, but I think you want to avoid it this season. So you want to keep the three. Uh, but still, the three and four, the, the quality opponent's going to be about the same. I don't think they fall further than four. They got Houston. That's four games back of them at the fifth seed. I think the furthest they fall is four. And that's it's certainly a possibility. The Blazers closed the season really well last year. And that could happen again this year. So I wouldn't I wouldn't say that's out of the question, but I still would see, say the most likely thing is that they maintain the three seed. The Blazers uh, point differential is a plus three point four. The Thunder at a five point oh. That's pretty good. Five is pretty good. I think that's that shows you the quality of team that the Thunder team is compared to where the Blazers are. We've seen them. They beat the Blazers. They beat them a lot. But schedule may, you know dictates a lot of things, and so um, I would not be shocked if it fell to four. But I still would maintain the three seed as the most likely thing for them, which if today, as far as first round opponents at the three seed right now, it'd be Utah. Uh, that's not great. It's going to be Utah, Houston, or Portland. I addressed this earlier. Uh, that's a, that's tough for the two seed. Denver would get San Antonio, you know, San Antonio's four and six in their last 10. Be a, it'd be a, a fine team to play in the first round. <laughs> Could be the Clippers. Probably not the Clippers at seven. You know, most people think the Clippers are going to fall out. The Kings are only a game back of them now. So you're probably playing San Antonio, Clippers, Kings, or Lakers. Those are the most likely opponents there. Yeah, give me those guys. <laughs> Don't give me Houston. Don't give me Utah. Don't give me Portland. Those are round one opponents. Those are tough teams. Next question comes from Thunders Billy. If Dre doesn't come back, how much can we trust 20-year-old Ferguson and 19-year-old Hami in the playoffs versus Harden, Thompson, etc.? The Thunder aren't going to use Hami. They're not. He's not ready yet. Uh, they're going to use Ferguson a ton. It's gonna. There's going to be some growing pains here. He's, is, he, is he a great player? Probably not a great player. Is he a good, solid starter? Yes. He can really shoot the basketball. He's a really, really good defender. He needs to learn to not foul. Now, can they put him in enough situations between now and the playoffs to maybe help that a little bit? Yes, I think so. I think he's a guy that has grown a lot as the season has worn on, and he's probably he's had to learn a lot from playing against Donovan Mitchell and Buddy Heald in back-to-back games. And it's not like the wings for Denver are any – they're not slouches. They're good. They're not players that are going to get downhill like a Donovan Mitchell does over and over and over again, but they're good players and you still have to not foul them. And so like, that's really the next step in the evolution of Terrence Ferguson. Can you learn to defend without fouling? That's something that Dre does really well. That's why I maintain the Thunder <laughs> would like to have Andre Robertson back this season, if only to play 10 minutes a game, to give a breather to Paul, to give a breather to Terrence. I mean, that would be, it'd be a big get. 
Um, but yeah, they're going to trust Terrence Ferguson. Hami, no. They'll play Burton before they play Hami. Uh, from at Lee, okay, C underscore. He's asking about first round playoff opponents. We've talked about that. Uh, from at Kobe Zeller, can we officially say now that we have three solid 3 and D guys on our team, one of which is also an MVP and a Defensive Player of the Year candidate? I mean, yeah. I th- I don't think that you would call Paul George 3 and D because it's, it's almost like an insult to him <laughs> because you can't box him into that because he can create so much more than just 3 and D. I think when you call a guy a 3 and D player, I think you are looking at a Jeremy Grant or Terrence Ferguson, where they they're spotting up, and then they're versatile defenders. I think that is certainly what those two guys are, and that's huge. The Thunder have been looking for guys like that um, since they've been in OKC. From at Anarcho Pigeon, considering only Harden and Durant have had three straight forty-point games, is it fair to say Westbrook has his shot back? And if so, will he defer to PG? I think he's definitely had a shot back for these games. Will it continue to be like this? I don't know. Will he be better? I think he will be the rest of the season. And he still is deferring to PG. He didn't in this last game because PG didn't have it going. Paul George is smart enough to know, like, Russ, you go. You've got it going. Russ did defer to Paul George down the stretch of that Utah game. I know a lot of people are going to remember the charge and the bad shot that were taken right before Russell was fouled out. But the fact is that he did defer to Paul George down the stretch of that game and it helped him even get to the overtime. So yeah, I think that he'll continue to defer. From at Thunder underscore bus underscore pod, how real is Grant's 38.2% from three when our opposing defense is going to take him seriously out there? I think it's real. I think that we've seen a large enough sample size. I'm going to look it up real quick what the sample size is, but it's big enough to, to say that, yeah, it's real. 38% 38% might be on the high end of what's real, but if you're between 36 and 38% from three and you're you know, a power forward that has like wing versatility, then yeah, it's real. Uh, as far as teams taking him seriously, that takes a little bit of time. I think come playoff time, they're going to take him seriously because he's hit big shots on the stretch. You go watch the film. Go watch the games. He's, he's hit some big-time shots from three down the stretches of games. So he's 68 of 178 from three, good for 38.2%. Uh, that's big time for Jeremy. Let's see where that compares to as far as attempts go. The attempts are so important. You know, Percentages are important um, only to an extent, but the attempts are huge. It's by far the most attempts that he's had in his career. And we're not, we're in, we're 57 games in. So in 57 games, he's taken 178 threes. Next closest was back when he played in Philly. When he's 20 years old, in his first season, he took 156 threes. Um, and he made 49 of them. It's good for 31%. Uh, last season in Oklahoma City, he only took 110. So he's eclipsed that 110 long ago. And he only made 29% of those. He was playing backup center. They were having him drive a lot. They were having him kind of be in that dunker spot. Uh, He's changed. He's evolved. He's much better. He's a much better player. I think the teams uh, do need to take notice because he's going to hit some big shots. 
from at jsmoothp27. He's got three questions. One, is our defense good only because of the week schedule at the beginning of the year? Uh, that probably helped the numbers, certainly. I mean, but that's with everybody. And everybody's helped by you know playing bad teams. It's not just the Thunder. They've got a good defense. Uh, number two, is running Jason Kidd type defense good for the team or should we have dropped Steven Adams in the pick and roll? I've got to trust that Billy Donovan knows the, the answer to that better than I do. Because if I know the answer better than Billy Donovan, like what's going on here, uh, he knows his personnel. And so I, I think at times it would help to drop Steven Adams against certain opponents, but I think the Thunder want to maintain some consistency. And I think that they're honestly playing the best defense to to beat the Warriors. And I still, believe it or not, that's still probably the goal of this team and and several franchises is to beat the Warriors. And so I think the Thunder would like to do that and like to be really good at this type of defense. It does look really bad when you don't play with with the necessary effort. That's the one thing about it is you can't give half effort with this type of defense. So it can look bad. And then three is Steven Adams, the reason for this team's downfall on D. Uh, I have a hard time blaming Steven Adams for things because the guy is a brilliant basketball player. He's a brilliant defender. Uh, He's had some rough stretches recently. Sure. Is he the reason? No. I mean, he's, there's, there's a lot of reasons for it and a lot of different players to blame. Is he part of it? Probably. He's not the he's not the whole reason for it. He ends up looking bad a lot of times because the communication is bad on the perimeter, and then he ends up being the guy that has to come over and help late. And then it looks like he was late whenever it was really a mistake that was made three rotations before. So does he look the worst? Yeah, he does. Is it always his fault? No, no. So I, I'm not, and I'd have to go back and watch a lot to to say that for certain, but. Just from what I remember watching, I wouldn't say that he's the culprit, but he's had some he's had some rough rough times recently. Um, and after the game, like he's a guy that really looks slow moving around the locker room. Uh, I think that he's still. I mean, he's a guy that's just banged up all season. And I don't know that that's going to change a whole lot because of how physical he is. I mean, just watch, just go watch him, just go watch him play ten possessions. The dude is incredibly physical the entire game that's exhausting it's helpful to the defense it's helpful to this team um the guy that sacrifices as much as he does it's hard to say that he is hurting the team i just don't think that's true from at shannon z ward is the biggest upgrade morris brings from the backup for his rebounding ability uh i don't think so i think that it's helpful um certainly because i i think that Patrick Patterson is not a great rebounder. I don't think Jeremy Grant's a good rebounder. I think he's a better rebounder than both those guys, certainly. Uh, but the scoring in multiple ways is probably the bigger upgrade. Because we all know Patterson, he struggles to score around the basket. He can count on one hand how many times he's dunked. Or I guess it's, maybe it's six times now. But, man, like, I mean, Morris, like, he's already had a dunk in his Thunder career. I still think it's it's his ability to score in multiple ways. That would, I think that's the biggest upgrade that Morris brings to this team and his toughness. I think that's, that can't be underrated. From at Avery MBC12. Have you seen Russell Westbrook's interview on Kevin Hart's Cold as Balls? It's absolutely hilarious, and I highly recommend watching it if you haven't seen it. And if you have, what's your favorite moment from the interview? 
Uh, it was great. Yes, I've seen it. Uh, it is super funny. Uh, Russell does show you a little bit of side of him that's uh, a, a little bit probably closer to what he is around everybody else. Um, I just thought the fact that he tried to take over the show is pretty funny. Uh, and I do, I, I haven't seen, and maybe this is out there somewhere, when that was filmed because certainly you can just tell by his hair uh, that it wasn't shot recently. And then I just wonder if it was shot in the off season because they didn't really discuss the other players on the team. They didn't really like discuss Paul George or anything like that, um, which I thought was interesting. But it's fun. Like Kevin Hart's fun. It was a fun, fun interview. Uh, last one. Thanks for sticking with me, everybody. Sorry, this is solo pod. I wish that I had McKelly here with me, but um, McKelly's sick. Get well, McKelly. Last question from at B Sagetti twenty one. Not a question, but after watching Donovan Mitchell and Buddy Heald go off against us, I really can't wait for Robertson to get back. Yeah, same. People ask, is he expendable? Oh, we got these two great athletic shooting guards. Like we don't need Robertson anymore. You know, can we trade him for a trade exception? Yeah, no. Hey, this team needs Andre. Andre, and you just watch him. The way he was coaching up the guys on the bench, just just watch him. He's he's still pretty crucial to this team. And if they can get him back healthy, this team would be much, much better for it. Thanks for listening to our podcast. You can follow me at Andrew K. Schlecht. Follow our show at Down to Dunk. Be sure to go check out betonline.ag. Use that promo code CLNS50 to get that 50% off sign-up bonus. And please leave us a five-star iTunes review. You guys have been great about that. We've got over 800. The round number was very exciting. You guys have left some super nice reviews. Uh, I read all of them. They mean a lot to me personally and a lot to our group. Um, We're super thankful that we have people that listen to us. If you're somebody that's looking to advertise, if you own a small business or own any size of business, really, um, we're in a position where we can help you guys with our with our listeners um, who are super loyal and will help your business. So if you're if you're looking to advertise, I, I think that we should be able to help you out. We have some ad spots open here before the playoffs. It'd be a great time to get in. So please contact me, dtdpodcast at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. Hope you guys have a great rest of your Monday, and we'll talk to you guys again Wednesday after the game in Denver.